Well, thank you for a few cheers. I really appreciate that. Um, Good morning. And I'm a little bit curious. If you're online and you're in ISO, I would love you to just tap into the chat, how many days till freedom? (laughs) It's a crazy dance that life has us on, isn't it, at the moment? And actually, over the last couple of years, I've discovered something about myself in this. I actually like a challenge. I don't mind problem solving. And I actually get this peculiar thrill of joy out of learning something new that results in a better way of doing something. Yeah? And... I thought it might be a little bit fun if I shared a few life hacks that I've discovered in my search for new and better ways. So on the screen, we've got a few different little ones. If you're a painter, that's always my job in the reno, a little rubber band, and then you don't get it all down the sides. All right. Now, parents, if you, like me, can't hide the treats, here's one for you. Or if your partner eats them all, you go ahead and and grab that. All right, glass, always a nightmare, slice of bread. Who knew? Pick it up. All right, and the last one, if your rubbish bin looks anything like mine and gets all the goo in the bottom, just stick some newspapers in there. How good is that? All right. So do you have your own favourite life hacks? If you do, don't keep them to yourself. Share them in the foyer, come and let me know online. I would love it in the chat, please. Let's share these things. What I realise is I'm not alone. There must be lots of other people like me because there are thousands of these things online. Do you know what? There are even YouTube channels devoted to this stuff and, I kid you not, a magazine. People make a living out of this stuff. So, are you like me? Give me a little wave if you like finding new and better ways of doing things and just put better things in the chat. Yep, I've got my tribe here today. I also recognise there are people on the opposite side of that spectrum and you give me a wave if you just like things to be the same and you like routine... Oh, yep, yep, I've got a few. Put routine in the chat if that's you. Do you know the weird thing? I actually think it's the same drivers beneath it, whether whichever side of that spectrum you're on, I actually think we're all trying to simplify our lives. What do you think? I wonder why that might be. And my hunch is that each of us have a very similar experience of life. It's hard and it's complicated, isn't it? And I think that we're all searching for help to live our lives a better way. Do you agree? Just pop hard in the chat if that's you today. So I thought, how about I share with you 
the greatest life hack I have ever discovered. Are you ready for it? Jesus. He's my hope. He's my ever-present help in need. He's my champion, my comforter. He is everything I need to live this life of mine. And as I look at the life of Jesus in a completely new way, when I take into consideration the sequence of events in time, new meaning has emerged for me and I see much clearer how I'm able to get the help that I'm searching for and I think we are all searching for. So, I'd love for us to go on that journey together. Last week, Ben and Ollie shared with us some of the things that we can learn from Jesus' life at the beginning, up to about the age of 12. And my point that I took out of it is that Jesus knew from very early on that he was the son of God. He knew his identity. And that for me and for all of us, out of that, we know that we are children of God, whether you believe it yet or not. And Jesus knew his father's business and he was very clear on his purpose in his father's business. And if you call yourself a child of God, we need to know our father's business and be about it and we need to know our purpose in that. And lastly, the choice is mine and yours about whether you're going to be available to God or willing to go with his plan. So today we're going to pick up 18 years on and we find Jesus at the River Jordan. It's making me thirsty. Let me set the scene. You see, we had a beautiful Bible reading that's just leading into this point in history. And we find John the Baptist and he's preaching this message of people who are disobedient coming back into being obedient to God. We say repenting from their sin. And that the kingdom of God is near and his reputation is growing He has people coming from Jerusalem, which is near, but he also has people who are coming from far away in the Judea and the Jordan Valley to hear this message. And there is just this bubbling of conversation about who is John and what is his role in this coming kingdom. Is he the Messiah. This is what's happening. This is the moment that Jesus steps into. It's a moment that God prepares for him through the life of John and his willingness to participate in God's plan. 
And we pick it up in Matthew 3, verses 13 to 15. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptised by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptised by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So, So what's happening here? You know, when we look at this interaction between John and Jesus, I see two guys who know each other really well. They're familiar with one another. There's an intimacy, isn't there, in this conversation? And it's not surprising because, of course, John is Jesus' cousin. They were born three months apart. And although, yes, they do live some distance apart, they're both born into good Jewish families who would adhere to Jewish custom and tradition and travel at least three times a year to be in Jerusalem for those festivities and celebrations and ceremonies. Can you imagine these two boys in the family camp having a great time? I bet there were some scraped knees. I bet there were some trees climbed. They know each other. And last time we heard about Jesus, he was 12-year-old, yeah, in the temple. Guess who else was there? John. He turned 12 the same year. He gets to see Jesus interact in such amazing ways. So when we come back and we re-look at this, what do you think is happening? Does John know Jesus is the Messiah? I always thought yes, but actually, no, he doesn't. He tells us later on the moment that he realised who Jesus was because there was a sign given to him and he hasn't seen that yet. So let's come back and re-look at it. What is he referring to? Jesus' character. He's talking about the fact that he recognises Jesus has lived a perfect life to this point. Here is someone who knows him so well and says, wait, you are more worthy than me. You baptise me. I would even suggest Jesus does not know what will happen next unless the Father reveals it to him. So let's have a look what what unfolds. So John agreed to baptise him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. It's after Jesus is obedient, after he has fulfilled 
all that God has asked of him. Once he comes up out of the water, only then do we see God the Father and the Holy Spirit identify Jesus as the Son. This is the moment, the sign that was given to John. Now, at Jesus' baptism, do you realise the Trinity is revealed? God the Father speaks, Jesus the Son does the work and the Holy Spirit enables and identifies. You see, Jesus' ministry is founded on his relationship to the Father, his obedience to do what is asked of him, his willingness to be about his Father's business, his reliance on the Holy Spirit in perfect harmony with his humanity. Fully God and fully human. So what happens next? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He just disappears and he goes to be tested. It's like another scene I'm reminded of in the Garden of Eden with Eve and Adam, though this time it's not a lush setting, is it? There isn't plentiful food around. No, it's way more like the Israelites when they were tested in the desert and there was nothing to eat. But this time, I'm not hearing the grumbling. You see, Jesus experiences exactly what you or I would in this circumstance. The scripture tells us he became very hungry. So it's fair to say he's got heat exhaustion, fatigue, physical pain. He is weak physically. And it is now that we see the devil come on the scene. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. You see, when Jesus in his humanity is at his weakest, the devil comes. And we know that that is when the devil comes. He's tempting Jesus out of his vulnerability. He's calling him to reach for those divine privileges and use them for his own comfort. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, unlike Adam and Eve, and unlike the Israelites, or anybody who came before him or after him, he achieves the victory. He refuses to put his own needs first. He refuses to reach for divinity. He refuses to lay down his purpose or forget what God has required of him. 
and he refuses to let anything come between him and the Father. You see, Jesus is humanity as God intended. And the significance for us is life-changing because everything we know about Jesus' life on earth was achieved as a human being who was obedient to God and fully reliant on the Holy Spirit. So let's lean in now. Let's see what he does and learn from him. While Jesus is off in the wilderness, things still progressing with John and his ministry. You see, we find him at the Jordan in Bethany, still baptising, but this time the priests and the Levites in Jerusalem have sent Jews down to ask John point blank, who are you? AKA, are you the Messiah? And John responds, In the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now the focus is brightest on John and Jesus reappears on the scene. And what does John do? Points to Jesus. In John 1, 35 to 40, we read, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. You see, Jesus begins his ministry with John's followers. Here we find people who are already tuned into the message. They're already available. They already want to see God's kingdom. And they are seeking the Messiah. And it's Andrew and John that are being referred to who respond to to this testimony. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. And they reply, Rabbi, where are you staying? Look at Jesus' response. He doesn't tell them. Come and see. And they do. They spend at least half a day with him. I would love to know what that conversation was, wouldn't you? But what we do know is that it prompts Andrew to go and get his brother, who happens to be Simon Peter, and say, guess what? We found the Messiah. Come and see. And Philip is invited by Jesus and he gets Nathaniel and he says, come and see. And they do. And Jesus invites them into his life. You see, his first followers are connected. This is a social network of people. They are relatives, they are friends, they are neighbours, just like we are connected. 
and they go with Jesus and hang out. They go to a family wedding in Cana where there's a very cool little miracle that happens and on from there they go to a family getaway at Capernaum by the lake in Galilee near where the followers have their hometown. Why does he do that? He embeds his followers in his humanity while revealing his identity as God's son gradually. Jesus reveals to all of us humanity as God intended. He came to teach us God's life hacks. Jesus puts it this way. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Watch this. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Put your name in there. He came to give you a rich and satisfying life. He teaches a whole new lifestyle and we see fishermen and sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors and outcasts changing the way they live their lives transforming their cultural, religious and personal values. And as we lead into Easter, we do focus on the sacrifice because we know Jesus lived a perfect life. His death deals with the problem of sin separating us from God and it's not his only sacrifice. Christ gave up divine privileges to come and live his life. I would argue that is the greater sacrifice. Philippians 2, 6-8 puts it this way, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. What a sacrifice. It undoes me that he did that to save me and you. His life deals with the problem of us just not knowing how to behave as God's children. So what does it mean for you and me? You know, just like those silly little life hacks. Discovering them is one thing, but change only comes if you use them. Life hacks are meant to be used. And Jesus invites us to build our lives on his. Maybe today you need to acknowledge that you need Jesus and respond to his invitation. Allow him to hack your life. It is a simple prayer. And if you're online, you could ask, the online pastor to help. There's probably a a button there that says prayer. 
Today there will be prayer out the front. Don't wait. Maybe you're a follower and you need to ask yourself, am I living a Jesus lifestyle in my home, in my workplace, with my colleagues, in my family, in my friendships, in my daily interactions? Maybe it's time for you to be baptised into Jesus' life. You see, life hacks are meant to be shared as well. And as we encounter Jesus, we should be sharing how he is helping us to recover our lives with those around us. Imagine what would happen if we were a community working together, living Jesus' lifestyles, loving everyone, caring for everyone and sharing with those around us. Church is intended to be a place where we come together, help one another as we try to learn this Christ-living lifestyle. And as we close today, I invite you to join me in prayer as we ask the Holy Spirit to fill and lead us on this dance of life. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we worship you as we reflect on your great sacrifice and your incredible example to us. Holy Spirit, we need you. Right now we come before you and we humbly ask that you would lead us as we desire to learn how to behave as children of God. Thank you that we don't do it on our own strength, but we are equipped and powered by you. Thank you that you never leave us alone. And regardless of what we do, we are loved absolutely. Lord God, as we come into Easter, we just ask that you open our hearts to those around us. Show us who you would have us love. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.